Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Okay, sad note. The whole reason people had to make like a self-love phenomenon is because nobody actually loves the things about themselves that aren't good. Oh. Like you just don't. Right? Yeah. You don't. That's good. Nobody yeah. Does. We have so to be convinced have... to love those yes. things, right? That's it. You have to be convinced to think it's okay to have some of these things we know are not okay. So then it's like you get in this whole spiral. You're like, okay, I feel like um, you know, whether it's I'm just I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I'm know that I'm being selfish or I'm doing something wrong. And so I feel ashamed. And it's like, okay, we're gonna have a whole crusade against feeling bad or you know and so then i think it's just this like confusing spiral of i kind of like to call it like emotional whack-a-mole Welcome to the Elisa Childers podcast, where we equip Christians to identify the core beliefs of historic Christianity, discern its counterfeits, and proclaim the gospel with clarity, kindness, and truth. And we have merch to that effect now. We have mugs that say identify, discern, and proclaim. We have sweatshirts and t-shirts, so you can check all that out on elisachilders.com. Of course, if you're watching on YouTube, you can just look right below the video and you will see links to all of that. We also have a a new kind of uh, catchphrase, I guess you could say, that says sharp mind, soft heart, thick skin. And that's what we endeavor to be as Christians. So we have some t-shirts and mugs that might serve as conversation starters for you in your, uh, when you're, you know, out at coffee or wherever you are and somebody might see your shirt and say, hey, what's that all about? And you can start to share the gospel with them based on that. So go to elisachilders.com for that. If you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, click the bell icon to be notified every time we release a new video because we have some really great conversations coming up that I don't want you to miss. Of course, if you're listening on audio platforms, leaving a great review, clicking like, sharing it on social media, all of that helps to get the algorithms finally tuned to put this into the news feeds of more people. And of course, also emailing it, sending it to your friends is very helpful. But today, we're going to talk about self-care. Should Christians do more self-care? Is is what's wrong with everyone that we just need to love ourselves more? Maybe go get that manicure, that pedicure, maybe get that facial, uh, maybe pursue that dream that we gave up on to become mothers, or maybe Uh, Maybe we just need to dig down inside of ourselves and discover the gold there and let it all out for the world to see. Is that really the Christian way to go about life? Well, I have a very special guest today. Her name's Rachel Norman, and she has a website called amotherfarfromhome.com. And we actually met in Chicago. We share a literary agent, and he thought we would get along, and he was right. I just remember feeling this deep sense of wisdom from Rachel, and we basically, you know, laughed the whole the whole evening. So I wanted her to come on because she has a book coming out, and her book is called If Mama Ain't Happy, Why Minding Healthy Boundaries is Good for Your Whole Family. Now, today's discussion is not going to be just for moms or even just for parenting. We're going to talk about, just in general, this idea of what it means to Uh, you know, in the world's version of practicing self-care versus what the Bible might have to say about it. But without any further ado, Rachel, welcome. I'm so glad that you you made it on today. Me too. So happy to be here. Can't wait to talk about this. (laughs) Well, you know, after, (laughs) I love talking with you. And when we were in (laughs) Chicago together, I remember by the end of the night, I basically elected myself producer of your YouTube channel. And that did not yet (laughs) exist, I think, at that time. Because (laughs) we would be sitting at dinner and I would just like say a topic and you would just go off and like you would just go (laughs) off into these hilarious rants, but hilarious (laughs) and wise so yeah. I love that. Finally, somebody will listen to my rants. <laughs> oh, I'll listen to your rants. No, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, it's it's. I I just elected myself your new producer. So I mean, that you know, sounds good. But I it's not think... a paid job, so that's yeah, okay. fine. <laughs> 
Well, never mind then. All right. So um, I, I do want to talk about your book because it's coming out on October 18th, and it's specifically for moms called If Mom Ain't Happy. Tell us just a little bit about the book and what led you up to to write it, and then we'll get into to some other things. Sure. I want to say at the beginning, I think this is funny when I when I was trying to think of a you know a name for the book. Um, it, you know, I, I knew we were going to talk about boundaries, you know, and this is not just rules with your kids, but just kind of, you know, healthy parameters to live by, you know. And so I thought of, oh, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And then I just kind of was thinking about this and I thought it was funny. And then um, I realized we we used to or you could use that as like a threat. Everybody needs to make me happy or everybody's miserable. But then it just like a light bulb went off and I thought, oh, my goodness. If we let life get so bad, we're miserable. It's actually worse for everybody in our family, Yeah, you know? And yeah. so, but I, so I just wanted to say that like, this is not a book about like how to be superficially happy. Like it's not right. at all, you know, it's actually about just sort of how to be okay. Or almost, I don't want to say how to be an adult. Cause that sounds silly, but flipping the switch on some of the things that we think are selfish or not, because as Christians, we, we actually don't want to be selfish. We don't feel it doesn't really go with our values to put ourselves above others it just doesn't so mm. i wanted to talk about how taking care of yourself or true you know and, and we'll go into this about treating yourself like you mentioned to manny petty like this has like nothing to do with whether we're okay or not right, <laughs> you know right. like an hour out of our life and then we're like you know the pink it's like working with the season but i'm not still not okay you right. know and so like yes. we actually kind of can we almost need to be given permission in a sense as like Christian biblical women who want to love and serve others, who don't want to be always navel gazing, to realize what it actually means to just take care of yourself in a, a normal adult way and how that's like, okay, yeah. you know, and how it's not this whole self-love, accepting all these parts of myself that, because mm. the truth is, the whole reason they had to make, okay, side note, the whole reason people had to make like a self-love phenomenon is because nobody actually loves the things about themselves that aren't good. Oh. Like you just don't, right? Yeah. You don't. That's good. Nobody yeah. does. We have so to be convinced have, to love those yes, things, right? <laughs> you have to be convinced to think it's okay to have some of these things we know are not okay. So then it's like you get in this whole spiral. You're like, okay, I feel like I'm, you know, whether it's I'm just I'm depressed or I'm anxious or I'm know that I'm being selfish or I'm doing something wrong. And so I feel ashamed. And it's like, okay, we're gonna have a whole crusade against feeling bad or, you know, right. and so then I think it's just this like confusing spiral of I, I kind of like to call it like emotional whack-a-mole, you know, mm. it's like you're just like, you, you know, and it's still all about us and our feelings. So Anyway, that was a bit off topic, but, but the, the book is about how to even recognize where we're not being okay, how we're not okay. Because sometimes, especially in modern life, it's like you get to a point where life is like a runaway train and you're mm -hmm. like, it's not okay. We're all crashing. Everybody's going to die. I don't even know why. Mm -hmm. And then you look around, not all of us, you know, there are real true crises and problems okay obviously but for many of us we're on a runaway train and we ain't even got that big of a problem so we mm. can't figure out why we're so miserable but then this is what i try to untangle in the book what happens is life is kind of okay if we look at it objectively but we're feeling like a runaway train that's crashing so we feel so guilty that we feel bad that then we just tell ourselves not to feel guilty. Do you know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. so we don't ever get down to the real reasons why we're just not able to be okay. Mm. Um, it, the real practical reasons. There's a lot of reasons, you know, I don't know, we're not right with God or we're in sin or there's various things that are going to mean we're not okay. But if we're sort of in that vein of it, of we've got those things, we're walking with the Lord, we've got, but there's just things happening practically in our lives that are making us stress, but we're ignoring them. Mm. And so it's, it's like, we're all kind of, living in this five feet off the ground world where we're very influenced by everything that's going on in social media and we're just confused that's what i think yes <laughs> i don't know if that'd I, be popular to say but i think we're all confused i think yeah no i think that's fair and uh interestingly kind of your the whole topic of your whole book I cover a little bit in one chapter of my upcoming book. We have sister books coming out on the same day, yeah, by the way, which is super fun. <laughs> uh, but in my upcoming book, which, by the way, I forgot to mention this in the opening, is available for pre-order. So is, is yours, Rachel. Both mm. of our books are available for pre-order now. 
But I had this one chapter where I was addressing the lie that authenticity is everything. And it's kind of mm -hmm. like what you just summarized, where the world is telling you to just, you know, have to try to persuade you to love all the things that are actually you probably need to repent for in your life. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. We're not really supposed to embrace those things. And that's called it was, guilt. <laughs> that's called guilt. Right. And that's the thing is, is that's why I think repentance is such a mercy and such a gift. Like people don't like that word these days. People don't like to talk about sin. They don't like to talk about repentance. No. No, you know, even with our kids, it's like, I even find myself sometimes when my kid maybe sinned against their brother or sister, kind of wanting mm -hmm. to be like, oh, you're all right. I, you know, I love you. You're wonderful. And just like point out mm -hmm. all the good things. But really yeah. what we're doing is keeping from them the ability to really get rid of their guilt and and have yeah. that gift of repentance. And so when People I was- People don't know what repentance is that's sometimes. Right. It's, like, it's If you don't actually acknowledge the conviction, what is there to repent for? If, so that's if you right. go 20 years living with somebody who tells you that everything you do is great, why are you ever going to feel like there's any need to repent? I mean, you're not going to think anything that you do is bad. And then you get right. told feeling bad is really just like not, you need to never feel bad. Just no shame. Then you're just like, I don't know what other people think this is going to result in, but I know what I, I know what yeah. I think this would result in, yeah. you know? And, but, and then I think the, the, because of a lot of move in parenting now is, is, is like in gentle parenting. So, but it's kind of like, that's just positive parenting rebranded. Mm. It's all just, and I know people like to, we like to label parts of ourselves because that helps us feel like we belong. Mm. So I understand, you know, we, we think if I give what I do a label that says something about me to others, you know, that's kind of why we want to do that. But it, it almost, and if we, we, even if we don't subscribe to it, we hear this around, or even if you're on some of the social media and you're not like following these people, the algorithm's trying to see what you like. Mm. So you still see it if yeah. you spend a lot of time. So you see all these things and you, you're like, okay, so does gentle parenting, does this mean I can't have any rules or does this mean, or like, yeah. And this is, this is big. I feel like just because we know why we do something or why our kids do so does something like let's say something's bad or sinful doesn't like that doesn't justify it does that make sense yeah so i think this is it, it doesn't mean like just because you know if two of my kids i have a girl and four boys and so the boys are like i don't even like who knows what's happening sometimes you know there's like four steps happen down the line and they're fighting and it's like they come to me you know so it's just because i know why this kid got upset doesn't mean it's okay for them to like clock the other one you know and so yeah. I, it, it it doesn't make it okay so i think part of what we're doing is we're on this journey to figure out why you know so then we're like okay the reason you do this behavior is because of this so then it always makes everybody else responsible for your choices yeah this is not a good road to go down because then again you never feel like you need to repent because you blame everybody else for your problems and this What's is so on? this is so bolstered by a lot of the media and like particularly mm -hmm. movies like this whole i've talked about this on the podcast before but this sort of phenomenon of redeeming the villain you know all these like villain yes. origin stories and movies where it's like <laughs> it, at the end of the day what it really leads you to do is say well you know that guy killed all those people because he had a really bad childhood and we should feel bad yeah for him and realize it's really exactly. just his trauma talking it's not like his mm -hmm. fault that he did that and so it gives you this sense of empathy and compassion for mm -hmm. the villain and um you know we should have empathy and compassion for people of course certainly um while they're in prison though <laughs> like, yeah, yeah exactly or bars. you can have empathy and compassion and still hold the line of what's good or not you know, you can still say, I, I totally understand why you felt like you wanted to hit your brother with that really hard toy. I feel like that was very sad. Yeah, hey, you can't yeah. do that. It's wrong. Like, right. you, you know, yeah, I think that's totally right about the, the, and I think that goes along a lot with the, you know, we, like we know our parents weren't perfect. And so we know we're not going to be perfect. And, but there's, you know, we really are all blaming our parents right now forever. <laughs> and yeah. I like to, I mean, it is true. Parents can do how we live does affect our kids. Like this is true, but it, it kind of feels like we, we always think there we're going to achieve perfection mm -hmm. and then the next generation will be better. Right. But like, we're, but if that's what you believe, I mean, carry on with that. But like, I don't believe that we can be perfect or achieve perfection. And so when we put that on ourselves, it actually just strings us out into where, and I think it does this pendulum. I talk about this a little in the book, but we can do, you know, even we're always in a pursuit of balance, I guess, you know? And so if you're, you're too far this way, 
then you kind of end up when you want to change swinging too far the other way until you come to a middle. And mm -hmm. so I think that's part of maybe in response to other things, we go back and forth. So I think that's happening in parenting and society. And I think it, it happens in the church too. I think, you know, some, sometimes pe people in the church, they want to go with culture. And then, so sometimes different groups will swing all the way opposite mm -hmm. just to not be associated with that side, you know? Right. And I think um, I'm glad you brought up the pendulum because I wanted to kind of set this up for people in a certain way, because I think that one of the things I think I've told you this, that about your book is your book is the book I would give to somebody who thinks that Rachel Hollis has the answers. <laughs> you know, I would, I would say like, don't read Girl, Wash Your Face, but read this one because this yeah. is going to give you a lot of practical advice. But this is like the, the, the pendulum, right? These are the extremes. So let me set this up and then I'll, I'll let you comment on this. But, you know, when I read, not to, you know, and I look, I pray for Rachel Hollis. I don't, I don't hate her. I don't have any animosity toward her. But in her book, you know, really, it's like this hustle culture. It's like, uh, get up early. Uh, you know, if you're going to if you're going to accomplish all these things, you got to get up at five o'clock in the morning and write your book from five to six. And then from six to seven, you need to work out. Then you need to get your kids up and be an attentive mom while you cook all your meals from scratch, work a full time job. And then, you know, like, of course, like write that memoir before the sun comes up. And, mm -hmm. and so it's like this self-care culture that says, put yourself first, just hustle harder. And, you know, it, it's you can have it all, right? And then on the other mm -hmm. side, and I see some Christians fall into this trap where it's like, well, I'm going to so deny my basic physical needs because Jesus said, deny yourself, pick up your cross. By the way, when Jesus said deny yourself, he doesn't mean like don't eat and food anymore and yeah, take care yeah, of your yeah. body. Like you still need to drink yeah. water and move your body and be healthy and, you know, mm -hmm. but it's denying your base desires, right? It's living in obedience and repentance yeah. uh, and obedience to his teachings. But mm -hmm. I think we can accidentally almost swing into what I would almost describe as a Gnostic view. And, you know, if anyone's yeah. unfamiliar with the Gnostics, these were an, a very early heresy in Christianity that... Basically, there was a lot going on in Gnosticism, but one of the manifestations of it was this idea that physical matter is evil. Therefore, your body is evil and, you know, your spiritual life is one thing and your body is like this bad thing that you don't need to take care of or do anything. But a biblical theology of us as humans is that we are body and spirit. We are two things. Mm -hmm. We are, there's the material part of us and the immaterial part. And the Bible even talks highly of our bodies. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so there is a exactly. sense in which we need to take care of ourselves and mm -hmm. not slip into that other end of the pendulum where we're basically not even, you know, we're not sleeping, we're not, we're just eating junk or, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I don't think that's the bullseye of what God has called us to do either. So I didn't know if you wanted to comment on that a little bit on that pendulum. Well, yeah. And one example I like to give is the difference between treating yourself and taking care mm. of yourself. So what we can kind of think of that self-care means, or if you're prioritizing yourself or what can kind of put off a lot of us moms from doing it is we think self-care is something like, you know, getting a manicure or having like a, like a dinner with our friends or, you know, ladies weekend away, or we think of these kind of, but are treats. So I like to call these treats. It's sort of like the cupcake, but you don't survive on a cupcake. What you need to survive is the meal. So taking mm. care of yourself is actually just doing these basic things that we can sort of just forget to do. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just getting enough sleep or, or, and one, it, just having a schedule or a life, a family life that isn't so crazy that we can't cope. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what we often do is our family life is so out of control, our commitments, um, what, you know, all the different things we're doing for the kids. It's so out of control. It's so past our sort of capacity to do it and be okay that then we kind of get stressed and depressed and anxious. And then we make ourselves feel so guilty for feeling stressed and depressed. And then we're like, I've got to repent for all this anxiety. Now, now I'm going to do that tomorrow at 5.05 because starting at 5.10, I'm fully packed all the way till 9 p.m. tomorrow night. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. actually, sometimes, now I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying being continually depressed and stressed and anxious doesn't go, can't veer into sin territory. That's not what I'm saying. What I mean to say is sometimes there's practical reasons for our emotional distress and a lot of those reasons are because we're just not living 
in a way that makes sense. And I like to say almost, I need to like flip the switch with mom sometimes and say, you think it's a luxury to take care of yourself, but it's actually just an adult responsibility because what happens if we just totally uh, ignore ourselves, ignore our needs. And I'm not talking about wants here, but if we just ignore, we're definitely going to avoid our wants if we're ignored. Well, sometimes we avoid taking care of ourselves. So then we kind of feel like kind of like that scenario where you don't plan what you're going to eat. You don't have groceries. And so you're like, I'm going to order in, you know, it's kind of that scenario. So Mm -hmm. you actually do end up sort of doing these little ways to make yourself feel better, but they don't sustain you, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I guess I go into this in my book, but it's sort of like a crusade is a bit of a dramatic word, but I feel like I'm trying to get moms a hold of the fact, like if you're not taking care of yourself, what starts to happen is you feel bitter and resentful at everybody else in your life Mm. who is stopping it. And then you're sort of feeling like these kids existing is like really, really getting in the way of my dreams or whatever. You might not even Mm. have dreams, but you start to feel so resentful. And I, and I like to say bitterness and resentment is a sign that something's not going on that's right. Mm. And it's not just that we feel bitter and resentful because of course we can take a bitter root and keep it. And we can just, you know, especially if we're in, you know, sometimes bitterness and resentment come from unforgiveness, mm-hmm. right? We have unforgiveness, we're choosing not to forgive, and we're sort of not even engaging in that forgiveness process with God. We're just like, I'm not doing that. And and then that can result in bitterness and resentment. But sometimes it comes because we have ignored our responsibilities to care for ourselves for so long that we just are like almost it's like a it's like a natural human thing to just blame everybody else and then you're bitter Mm. so it's like the kids existing they need to eat every night i'm very bitter about this (laughs) because you know you're just not well you're not taking care of yourself so that's kind of what i like to and we don't even know how honestly sometimes and but we'll never do it if we if we're confused about what it means i think And I love that you brought this up about the get, I I say this a couple, you know, I like to joke about this, but I'm like, if you really think what's going to make things better is like starting some kind of business and all this, then you're like, I hate to disappoint you going to cause way more stress, you know, it really is not, if you already are worn out and exhausted, this whole like intense workout regimen, spending hours trying to build this platform where now you're well-being is tied to whether people give you immediate good feedback. It's yeah. a trap. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying online business is bad, of course, you know, I, you know, but I just mean to say we, we can tend to think these things will save us, mm. but that's just a sign we are not okay. Well, and also like, gosh, you know, I'm just thinking about the cultural values that are so just in our face all the time mm. on social media. Like you mentioned this pressure for stay-at-home moms to start an online business or something. Yeah. I I mean, I think this is really coming from, I, I mean, I'm you know, this is, I know for a lot of people, this might sound like a leap, but I think this is coming from feminism, right? The idea mm. that for you to have value, for you to be have a meaningful oh, yeah. contribution to the world, you have to be doing mm-hmm. something outside the home. And that's really where your value and your meaning come from. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked about this before. My sister's a single mom. I know that there are moms that work outside the home. Some have to, some do it because they want to. And I'm not criticizing that. But the but the idea that you as a mom have to do something outside the yeah. home to give your life meaning and value, that is a lie that comes it from totally modern is. feminism, you know? And then well, there's like this cultural value of kindness, right? Every, as long as you're nice, if everybody's just nice, we'll be good. And busyness. And we do this with our kids too, right? We're like, we want our kids to be so busy. And frankly, my kids have always been at their best when I let them get a little bored, right? When I I let them get bored. Absolutely. And this kindness, I think this whole, I know people love it and there's like all the shirts and I'm not saying it's good to be mean, (laughs) duh. But like, I think some of this kindness, like I feel like is, is a bit of a facade. It whiffs of kind of what we talked about, you know, this behavior management that used to be so big decades ago, where it's like, it just matters how you act, how people perceive us is what matters. We're crumbling inside. We're all going to look so cute at church or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the fifties, sixties and seventies, right? Yes. Kind of behavior management. Yeah. Yes. Kids should be seen and not heard. They just need to sit there. We need to look like a perfectly happy family or whatever the, so it kind of, I, I don't know. Yeah. I just think the, and then this kindness, it almost, as though none of us agree being kind is good or is, you know, as though we all want to be mean. I I don't know. I just think it can kind of contribute to this feeling in us also, because I like to, 
I was joking with a friend the other day and then I was like, we were talking about the labels of parenting that people like to use. And I was like, I think I'm just like a natural parent. And I don't mean natural in like a green sense. I mean, like if, if the kids do something that makes me mad, I get mad. And then, <laughs> I, you know, or like, I don't, talk, you know, I'm not saying I like scream at them. I don't like, I, I'm a nice mom. Like I love them. I hug them. I tell them wonderful, but I don't try to be just kind. You know what I mean? I'm not. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to make drum up some false sense of empathy when they did something wrong. You know, I'm not, yeah. it's like, I'm not trying to, and this is what I think we're doing. It's like all these other voices are in our head. We've gotten out of just saying, does the Holy spirit live in me? Is it his job? Is, is it, does it say that he's going to be my counselor? Why do I need, you know, why do I need to know what everybody else would do? Now, sometimes we have problems and we want a specific solution. And that's what I like to tell moms. Like, if you have a problem, I want you to come and see if I have a specific solution for that. And if not, email me, I, I, you know, but don't mm -hmm. just, you know, don't just feel like you have to do things that other moms do. Like, so this is why you, we feel confused. We don't feel like we can just make a choice on our own, you know? Mm -hmm. And so then it, I think it leads to some kind of like, I don't want to say idol worship is a bit strong, but it's like we do make idols out of these online really popular people who mm. are very persuasive and they just really seem to have life together and everything they do seems to be so great. And it's just almost like it almost feels like it's gone to Hades in a handbasket mm -hmm, since we started mm -hmm. Join it. We're, we're like, yeah. I don't feel, I feel like embarrassed to say this. Like it's like over the line, but I feel like we're just like a big culture of voyeurs yeah, staring yeah. into people's windows at them. Like, yeah. what are they doing tonight? <laughs> yes. And then we like, don't even pay attention to our own lives. And we wonder why we have problems. Right. You know? That's, oh my gosh, that is such a great point. Cause in, in my new book, I have this chapter where I talk about social media and really how we've recreated the Tower of Babel. And our, our literary agent, Bill, is the one who came up with that concept. And mm. he's like, yeah, you should put that in your book. <laughs> I'm sure he did that with you too. And, yeah. and I love it because it's, it is essentially what we've done. We've recreated the Tower of Babel, and it's such a lie. And this is what I encourage people. I mean, like just anybody listening or watching, think about how many times, or even if it's just one time, that you've had a friend, or maybe it's you, or somebody you love, or somebody in your family, who you know is going through, frankly, just hell in their life, right? They're just going through the worst time. They've had the worst day. They called you crying because their job is in the, you know, the dumpster. Their kids can't stand them. They're just having, like, a terrible day. But yeah. then you see on social media, they post this really cute selfie with all their makeup on, and, you know, hashtag best life now or something. And you know, because you know the inside story that that's not true. I mean, think about that. Now, you know, extrapolate that out across how many people are doing that. Like that is really what social media is. It's such mm -hmm. a lie because it's a highlight reel. It's like I, I go to I go to ice cream, you know, I'll go to an ice cream shop or something with my kids and you see all the other moms, like they're stressed and their, their kids are sitting there and they get the picture for the Instagram and it's yeah. like, but but I'm looking at them going like, none of you are enjoying this. Like, this is yeah, miserable. Yeah. You did it for the Instagram. You did it for the hashtag. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what? Yeah. Or I think about this sometimes when you're at like a really beautiful place and you see somebody taking a selfie, like, and I'm like, oh, do you want me to take a picture of that for you? And they're like, no. No. Yeah. They you're want like, it to be a selfie. Oh, yeah. You're going to frame your selfie and put it on you. Okay. <laughs> yes. I've done the it's same like, thing. Yeah. It's like such a digital mindset that it's yeah. like, it's not even a, you know what I mean? Because if you were thinking about, not that I'm saying we, of course we don't frame every picture we take, but if you're thinking like I'm at the white house or I remember particularly this happened there and you know, this might be that I would, you know, have a picture of me. No, it's like, it's only digital. So it might just like my side face. And, you know, <laughs> I do. And, and I'm, there's that scripture about how, you know, leading a quiet life, you know, mm, um, mm -hmm. in the New Testament, you know, minding the work of your hands. And I think, yeah, that doesn't mean that we don't, you know, I'm not saying you can't have any social media. Although, you know, if, if I didn't have it for work, maybe I wouldn't have some of them, the ones that I yeah, do, you know, and I, but and I have a lot of and I have a lot of boundaries about how I use social media. And some people don't seem to be as affected as others. But for me, when I think of taking care of myself, I think of not always looking at other people's lives that seem like they might be better than mine, because mm. that makes me not like my life, but I have a good life. So in order to protect my heart, to guard my heart, it is the wellspring of my life. So I'm not saying I'm going to be driven by my feelings, 
or you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. saying I'm going to let my feelings drive my whole life, but they come out of my heart, you know, and we have to all from when we wake up to when we go to bed, our feelings are there and we we have to deal with them. If our feelings say don't go to work, we have to resolve them and go to work. Or if mm -hmm. our feelings say get back in bed and do like duvet day, Netflix all day, but you actually have things to do, you have to resolve those. So mm -hmm. knowingly doing something that's going to give me a lot of feelings of dissatisfaction, I'm just not going to do it because I don't want to hate my life, Yeah, you yeah. know? And so like I recently realized when I was looking at a couple of just a couple of accounts and I don't scroll the feed, but I'll go on because I like the clothes that they have. And I often buy like if a season is coming up, I might often buy the clothes that they share. Well, then I realized that I was looking at a couple of them and they're like 10 years younger than me. And I thought, huh, not saying this is bad, but I was like, it's I do feel like after I look at them and look at myself and then I'm like, you look at you, but you hadn't had five babies yet or like <laughs> why do you turn 40 and you get a wrinkle or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I really yeah. actually I should probably just find somebody my own age whose clothes I like. Do you know what I mean? This yeah, is like yeah. a super small example, but it's like we do this. We, we put are these super rich people or people who have a big ministry and we wanted one, but we don't have one or whatever. We're always holding up a standard that we can't make ourselves get to. It's just like, it's creating a lot of feelings you now have to deal with. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it really is. Whereas if you just didn't know what anybody else is doing, you would probably think your life was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I think you brought up such a great point uh, a few minutes ago about in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, the approach mm -hmm. to parenting was more like behavior management. And I want to kind of continue yeah. that because... Honestly, and this isn't just for parents, but how we were parented is going to yeah. affect how we think about things like how we take care of ourselves and self-care and all this. So I, if, I'm just going to read, like you sent this to me in an email, and I just love the way you worded <laughs> it. So like 50s, 60s, and 70s was behavior management. So that mm -hmm. means you care about what your kid, how they behave, but not really about their hearts. It's just sort of yeah. act right and make me look good, kids. And for church, this translated into super legalism. Uh, you know, fundamental, you know, hyper-fundamentalism, um, appearing all holy and great while leadership, frankly, was, you know, molesting their kids and having affairs and all of these things that were so, you know, under the surface, under this mm -hmm. veneer of everything looking great. Uh, they yeah. looked great, but they were awful inside. But let's move on to the next phase because you pointed, this is so brilliant how you pointed this out and how, how people were basically parented in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. Yeah. This was the rise of the self-esteem movement and the, you know, reaching your inner potential. And, you know, I was born in 1975. So I think that I was kind of in the cross section of these two overlaps of the be mm -hmm. behavior management and the self-esteem. Um, but, you know, and so in parenting, this meant there was tons of praise, making kids feel great, thinking uh, that meant that they be secure, but turns out self-esteem is self-earned and it backfired and yeah. they crumbled as adults. And so in church, what this looked like was the puffing up of the ego. You know, what's your destiny? Yep. Find your calling. You're born for something great. What does God want for my life? As opposed to, and you wrote, I don't know, just doing what the Bible says and not doing what it says not doing. You want yeah. to comment on that one a little more? Yeah. I, I, I was actually talking about this with my husband last night and it was like, I remember even during this time, you know, so the, the self-esteem movement, it was, you know, they realized, okay, a lot of these kids are doing a lot of bad stuff and it, it, they feel bad about themselves. So if they just felt good about themselves, they wouldn't do the bad stuff. But, you know, it, it turns out that you can't just tell someone they're great if they really, if they're doing bad. Okay. If, if you're doing something mediocre and you know it, and somebody comes and tells you you're amazing, you're actually going to feel embarrassed because you mm. know it's not true, yeah. right? You don't just decide it's true. You know, like I'm actually really good at sewing because you said that. No, you know that you're not. So it's fake and it's false and it's flattery and that feels icky to us, right? So this whole telling everybody you're great to love yourself, like that, that isn't how it works. It is self-earned in the sense, and I'm not talking about our values, like we would know as a children of God, we have a value that he has given us because of our position, you know, because he loves mm -hmm. us. But just this esteem, how we view ourselves, like our general confidence, it is self-earned. You know, you go through some struggles, you figure it out, you, you have confidence, you can figure it out. You know, you have a hard time and then you you figure out some ways to cope and you come through it and you think, okay, I did that. You know, so actually life gives you, you know, not everybody, if you have parents that are really hard, there's a lot of other factors, but in a general sense, self-esteem is self-earned. And so I think part of this, this is why I think it's kind of, and in the church, I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure you remember, but it's like, what is your calling? Like your grand yeah. destiny. And it almost yeah. is like, this. what does this have to do with God? Like, this is all about you. 
you mm. want to be like what Christian famous or like yeah. you can't it's not and I remember I went through this it was like right out of college and me and my friend like we were just like I know we're gonna do great things and we're like <laughs> figuring out our destiny oh like, yeah and Same, I remember yeah. praying <laughs> I remember praying and being like okay God like I just need you to you know you know like how little thoughts of doubt would come in at times you know and i just need you to really just show me yourself in a way that i could never doubt it and i'm just gonna tell you like i don't recommend that prayer because boom 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 i felt like my whole life's been one big series of being humbled and it's made mm. me be like no i don't want to do some big don't put me on the stage in front of a hundred thousand yeah, right. people and yeah. then and then somehow i'm supposed to help their spiritual life like they should just read the bible and right, leave me yeah. out of it yeah, you know, yeah. so I think being humble, like having in a, in a true sense of not puffing yourself up, not telling yourself how wonderful you are. Like, I don't sit around and hate myself. I'm just it's like yeah. this neutral. You don't compare yourself to others and think you're amazing. Or, it's just like some things I do good. Some things I'm not that great at. God and I are working on it. It's, it's a neutral thing. It's like you don't want to be. It's almost this sense of who wants to be feel like they're in charge of other people's spiritual do you know what i mean it just yeah. comes from this sense of me 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 whereas actually the bible it's it's really it's about jesus it's about god yeah, yeah. and you can live a normal like a normal life that like 99.90 no 99.999 percent of people live that's just being a genuine believer praying for people yeah. near you who need it whatever your gift is using that if it's music you play music with the church or whatever the case may be, you know, if it's teaching, then you, you know, you know, using your gifts in a normal way, it's almost like we're skipping over our normal lives and everything has to be like global. Mm. I think this mm. sometimes it's like, you don't call any of your normal, your normal, you don't call any of your friends that could actually show up with a meal. It's like, mm -hmm. you, you're, you're, you're only dealing with everybody. And I'm not saying, of course, it's great. We can talk to our friends from other places. Like, obviously it is, but it's almost like we've lost touch with the, the, the world, the ground we live on, the yeah, area we yeah, live in, yeah. you know? And so I think that's just has something that's grounding for us, you know? So yes, back to the self-esteem thing. And I think it's also, I saw a little comedy skit one time that was like, it was funny. It was making fun of the self-esteem movement, but it was like, turns out like sociopaths really think greatly of themselves. So yeah. thinking greatly of yourself doesn't actually, yeah. you know, it, it, it isn't achieving yeah. some kind of goal. And actually the better you think about yourself, truly you could act worse yeah 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 and i think it's true it's like this whole um this whole turn inward to the self-esteem movement during that time it's like there's and again this is where we want to avoid the pendulum because there's a sense in which we should esteem ourselves as humans right we are yeah. made in the image and likeness of god Absolutely. and that gives us this inherent dignity and value and worth mm -hmm. and we should and that should actually cause us to to love what we are, but sure. also with the what's primarily in focus is the glory of God, right? That's Amen, what yeah. we are looking at, God, and look what you've done, Lord. And, and so mm -hmm. there's a sense in which, like you say, it's like I almost hesitate to say this because people could take this out of context, but I love myself. But yes. not because I'm adorable or because I can do good things or because I this hobby or that hobby. I love myself uh, in the sense that I know that I'm created in the image and likeness of God, and I've been redeemed by Christ. So you can't skip over the but part, right? The but is that we are fallen, we are sinful, and that's what I think the yes. world and even some of this self-esteem movement like kicks, you know, just kind of kicks under the carpet and just like, forget that little butt there about the sin, but yeah. let's just mm -hmm. look and, and just, you know, and so if all we're doing, and you you worded this so much better, but when you were saying, it's like, you know, if you just kind of tell somebody, you're great, you're perfect, you're beautiful, you're everything, you're so talented, you're great at this, you're great at that. Like you said, in inside, we know that's really not true. And so I like the idea yeah. of saying, you know, our self-esteem is self-earned if by self-esteem we're talking about, like, it's okay to feel good about accomplishing something, right? Sure. It's okay to mm -hmm. esteem the fact that I've worked really hard, on, you know, like to say, to earn this degree or to do this other thing. And I'm, yeah. I'm happy about that. I esteem that. But I think that uh, when we take that out of a biblical context, and then we're just talking about just love yourself, just, and I'll just out myself here in Zoe Girl, back in the, you know, in the day when we were singing songs to young girls, we had this song called Plain. And we um, and I always kind of felt a little uncomfortable singing it because basically what we're telling girls is like, oh, this boy made you feel plain because he forgot your name, you know. 
but but God thinks you're beautiful and you're perfect just as you are. And, you know, I don't know if that was exactly the lyrics, but the, the idea yeah. was you're not plain, you're beautiful. But I'm not sure that was the right answer because the right answer, because maybe it's somebody who isn't physically beautiful. Maybe they are looking, plain. <laughs> maybe they are plain. Maybe they want to yeah. be plain because maybe yeah. their particular troubles make them way too noticeable and they'd rather be plain. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, and I, you know, so admittedly we fell into that trap a little bit too, but um, I want to move on here to then where, where parents are at now, because how we're parenting mm. our kids in this generation is going to be affected by how we were parented and then it'll affect yeah. how they go into the world. So now you just wrote emotions. So in parenting, mm. this means we're obsessed with our kids' feelings. And if yeah. the kids ain't happy, then we're doing it wrong. We are tossed yeah. to and fro based on our kids' emotions and terrified we're terrified that we'll scar them for life. Talk a little bit about that, like about this, this mm. current approach to parenting that like basically manifests itself that if something makes someone feel bad, then God must hate it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I imagine like at an arcade, you know, the whack-a-mole, it's like the, you're, you're, you're waiting to see how your kids are going to react and then you fix that. And then you're waiting. It's just this very responsive way. So I think there's a lot of, and it, it's, it's, I think it is part of the pendulum swing. As we talked about some generations before us, it's like, it doesn't matter what you're feeling. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Just sit down and do what you're supposed to do, you know, and you could totally neglect how anybody is doing right so we've swung to the other side where i feel like not everybody but there's a lot a lot of and this is what moms feel like so regardless of whether you ask some of these like super insta famous you know parenting people who would say of course you shouldn't do that this is the vibe that parents feel so mm -hmm. whatever you're saying is whatever you think but whatever people feel is like so you know you get what i'm saying they're feeling like okay if my kids are not happy i did something wrong or and then it's always it's still coming back to us you know so it's like if if i have a rule that's healthy or i have something that we need to do or you know i was speaking with somebody the other day and they said we just had to do no sports this season we just mm. had to do none because it was just getting too crazy and then maybe the kids are really upset like the super upset you know and it, it's like, okay, I can't do something because it's going to make them upset. Or I know my mm. former nanny, um, she was saying, you know, somebody in her family was just obsessed with video games and the mom didn't want to take it away because they would get mad. Mm -hmm. It's like, we're so worried. It's like, we don't want to do a healthy, normal, good, right thing because of how it's going to make our kids feel. Now, nobody's going to say that's good, but in the day to day, it's what we do. So it's mm. like, and I call it boundary bending or, you know, whenever the kids would peck you and they're like, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, and then you lose the will to live and you're like, fine. And then after you're like mad at them because you're like, you made me when really it was like deep inside. We just were like, we felt like we couldn't just say no because they would get mad. You know, it's like, yeah. So I think that the, the, the way we've swung is like we're parenting to their emotions. You know, we, we just make all of our decisions based on whether the kids are going to like it or not. But this is obviously bad because even just our own emotions are just so to and fro, you know, I mean, you can't, the emotions are not like a plumb line, <laughs> you know, right. they, they go up, they go down, they're not dependable, you know, they make everything erratic if you follow them. So I think, and I think one thing that we need to hear as moms or not even just as moms, cause this can happen in any of our relationships or friendships or marriage or work or ministry, whatever it is, is it's like, you can, uh, other people can have whatever their feelings are, and that's part of the human experience, but that doesn't have to affect what you're doing. If you're mm. doing the right thing, mm -hmm. you know, I can do the right thing and people can respond, my kids or my husband or whoever, however they want. And I can, if it's my children, I can support them in their remote, you know, they're very sad. We're not doing any sports. They love them, whatever it is. And they're having whatever feelings I can listen to them. I can, you know, tell, okay, you're very angry. Well, what are some ways you think would help you get that anger out? Like, what are some godly ways we can deal? We're all going to get angry or you're sad. Well, yeah. Okay. This is a great time to practice how to deal with being sad because it's going to happen in life. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we don't have to stop our kids from feeling anything. This is, it's either like we have to do tricks to keep them happy. Or if they start to feel sad, we have to like, Ching, don't feel sad. We're going to go get tacos tonight or whatever. Yeah, it's like, right, just, right. Just let them be sad because just yeah. be sad. And then just be like, oh, it's hard to be sad. And then they're like, yeah. And, you know, so it's kind of like we have to know we need to just follow the Holy Spirit, do what we feel like is the right thing to do. Sometimes it's going to be wrong, but what are you going to do? You know, you just, we're human. We're going to do what we think we need to do and let them let other people feel how they feel. Like that's their job. That's yeah. their thing. Now, I'm not talking if we do horrible things, you hear me, you know, if we're doing yeah, yeah. 
we're just being normal and right and responsible and good and or we're trying to healthy and other people are just in charge of their own reaction and we don't also have to take that on so moms it's like we're in charge of ourselves we're in charge of our kids we're in charge of our kids are happy you you're not you're actually not you can't make anybody else happy you yeah. cannot you can momentarily distract them from their feelings and make them think about the you know taco that you got them so they wouldn't be sad and then once it's over they're going to go right back to feeling whatever they felt because mm. you're not in charge of other people yeah yeah so that's, I think that's one thing i've learned too even with uh, my kids both kind of heading into middle school and stuff is just to not get on the the train the emotion train oh yeah because the merry-go-round, um, I call it. It's like yeah. spinning around. Everybody's getting dizzy and they want to throw up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's like realizing that's going to pass and remembering, you know, my up and down emotions when I was that age too. And so that's been something I've I've thought a lot about. So what what what's the worst? Like, or maybe what's your pet peeve when you go online and you see slogans or advice about self love or self care? Like, what just gets under your skin? I guess it. I think what. I guess what kind of gets on my nerves about it is, and I tried to position this a little in the book when I talk about this, is just the idea, it's like the idea that we have to give a name to just being a normal human who like takes a bath if we're dirty or eats if we're hungry. It's like, I feel kind of, I understand we have to give it a name and a concept, you know, but I, I kind of, it's like what I want moms to think. It's like, if you feel strung out, you can just tell the kids to go play. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. It's almost like we think that if we do self-care or self-love, it fixes our problems. But it's like the prop. It's like that's because we're down here feeling like we can't do the normal thing. It's like you know what you want to do in the moment. You know, like if you sit and think about your family schedule, you know what you want to do. You know if you want. You know what lessons you want to cancel. You know what commitments you want to drop. You know it, but you don't think you can do it. So now you're going to have to go do this big regimen of self-care and journaling and all this stuff so that you don't actually think about all the things you want to quit. Just quit them, you know, or it's like you're you look at your checkbook and you see where you spend too much or where there's too big of bills and you know what you're supposed to do. You literally know what you should sell. You know that you should get out of that big house and get in a smaller house or move to a different town. You know that's what needs to happen. You know you need to get a beater or whatever it is. But instead of doing all of that, we're going to like really have cozy blankets and our favorite type of herbal tea. And it's really going to be, we're going to be feeling better. No, you're not. You know what I mean? It's so it feels yeah. like it's a band-aid instead of mm. just fixing your life problems. Yeah. And I'm like, sometimes you just got to fix your life problems. You know, I yeah. know that sounds like, well, it is. It's unromantic. It's not sexy or it's what, as my financial advisor likes to say, the best things to do are not flashy. They do not make you feel yeah. good. You yeah. know, but that's how I feel like a lot of what we're going through with moms is like, we're like, our kids have behaviors and we think we can't do anything. We have no tools to control the kids because they're all abusive. You know, it feels like normal things that used to be normal five seconds ago are now like against children's human rights or whatever. Like, yeah. And I'm not talking about things that are clearly all of us agree with bad, you know, in some of the like hyper fundamentalist groups, Christian groups, you know, they would like put kids in cages. And I mean, oh my goodness. Okay. We're not talking about this, you know, like right, just right. even just getting a kid in. I'm talking about timeouts, like super controversial now. I'm like, what planet do we live on? Right. They got to call it time in. We got to call it time in now instead of time out because it's like, would you want somebody to send you to your room if you felt bad? Mm. And then my big response to that is like, yes. Yes. Of course. <laughs> and I want to go. Door. <laughs> yes. And lock the door and everybody go somewhere else. I want to have a nine hour timeout. You know, I mean, come on. Yes. So it's like, it's really like we think we can't do what we want want to do. We mm -hmm. feel, and I'm not talking about sinful things, you know that, but right, basic right. things. we think we're not in control of our life or some women, some women are working and they want to stay home or some women are home and they really want to go back to work. And it's like, you just think you can't do that. So now you're going to like self love and you're going to like meditate and you're going to like have do your makeup every morning. And that's really going to, you're going to make your bed. And when you do all of those <laughs> self love acts, that life's going to be fixed. And it's like, Yes, I'm not saying those are bad. I like to make my bed, or I do anyway. But you yeah. get what I mean? I think yeah, yeah. They feel like it's it's positioned as a solution when I think that it's a Band-Aid. Yeah. And it stops you from actually just thinking something about your life is not tenable. Yeah. It and is love, not sustainable. Yeah. I love this about you because you are just literally just, you're like walking common sense. It's just practical, <laughs> logical common sense. But it's funny how countercultural common sense it, is these days, right? Like, it is. I was My neighbor at, says, 
common sense is now a superpower. That's what it is. Says. It is a superpower. So um, as as we're kind of closing out here, I want to ask you about a couple of things I see online uh, in in regard to parenting and you know how we should parent these days. And like one of the things I've seen from uh, not everybody in the progressive Christian movement, but a couple of voices really advocating for what they call children's rights. And what they mean by that mm-hmm. is not um, like you said, they're not talking about. Um, you know, Extreme basic things that we would, yeah, right, of course, abuse, neglect. But they're talking about, like, don't impose on your kids' sense of self-expression. Don't impose your values on your kids. Don't impose your religion on your kids um, because that violates their rights to their own self-expression and their ability to know what they need at, you know, in in particular scenarios. So what would your response be to, to a message like that? I mean, I don't, like, that's not even possible anyway, because kids learn, they learn from what you do. So it's actually, to me, it's impossible that your kids don't pick up on your values. Like they literally yeah. do anyway. So that just is not even make any, it, it, it's almost like what they're saying is don't take your kids to church. Right. Because if you live out the Christian life and you are, you know, doing what the Bible says to do and not doing what it says not to do, your kids are going to see that anyway. You know? So, I mean, I mean, I just don't agree with that in general as at, I guess they wouldn't look at the Bible anyway, but I see that it says that, you know, God's raised marriage and for godly offspring. And it talks over and over again, teach them about the Lord. So they don't care about that anyway. But I think the idea that you could somehow not communicate your values is bunk and it's impossible because you're going to. Yeah. And also even, if, idea- even if you say that, you know, you, that I don't impose my values on your kids, you're imposing the idea that you don't that you shouldn't yeah. impose values on other people. You're always going to be exactly. imposing some kind of value on your kids. And, which this is what's interesting, and it insinuates that kids have to somehow take on board what you do, which they don't because they have free will. So you, some ki- you, some parents teach their kids about Jesus for 18 years and the kids goes fully off the rails. Like mm-hmm. the, you, you, So you, just because you teach your kids something does not mean that they're going to do it anyway. So they're kind of insinuating that, you, you get what I'm saying? It's yeah, like yeah. they're acting like you had, they, they are in that mindset that everything a parent does is going to directly affect kids as though kids aren't their own people. And there's not, you know, so... I don't know. But then also, and on to this point, I see some people and they're like calling a crib like a baby prison. And I'm like, well, okay. It's like, this is how extreme we've gone. And so Mm. now you feel like if your kid sleeps in a crib, it's like, what if the crib is by my bed? Is this still a prison? Or what if I can't sleep if they're in my bed because I'm worried I'm going to roll over them? Like, am I bad that I want want them in a baby prison? It's like, what? You know? And so I think, and also the idea of, and I, I do make this joke, frequently. So don't get offended if you only have one child. But I like to say you can do anything with one kid because you can just follow their lead completely. But and I see sometimes I see parenting, you know, experts or parent coaches or whatever, and they're sharing stuff. And I'm like, you could only ever do that with one kid. So I guess we can only have one kid or else we're damaging everybody. Because Mm. if you have two, much less three or more, whatever, you can't just be like, what do you want? At what time do you want it? Because also the children it's like 25 when your brain is developed, right? So, I mean, much less seven or three, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I actually think, and I know people would view this as respectful, but I actually think it's disrespectful to put pressure on a child, to give a child control over something that they have no ability to make a wise mm. decision about. I don't think this is respectful. This would be like if I went to a new job, I hadn't gone through training yet, and then they put a they told me to make a decision. I would actually feel very insecure because I don't even know. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what is this going to be wrong. Is it, I don't know. You don't feel good when. So it's like we're we're actually tr- almost like projecting our kids to have knowledge they don't have to make decisions, and we think if we're leading them or guiding them, this is like wrong. But mm-hmm. in what other sphere? Not in work. Not in marriage. Not in any type of life. Do you? does that happen? You know? So I kind of, I almost don't even know how to articulate that. It's confusing. This is partly why I feel like moms are so confused because it's like, so is it against, so if they do something and this comes a lot with emotions too. Okay. Cause this is like, if the child, you, you shouldn't ever, um, you know, stop a child from throwing a tantrum or whatever the case may be, you know, it's like, well, what do you do? So what do you do if your child just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on? You know, what needs to happen? So moms just feel so helpless. So I guess mm. I would just say to moms, like, if you're in this confused trap and you see these things and they seem so extreme, like the baby prison or, you know, not not having meal times because your kids should just eat whenever they're hungry or whatever it is, you know, like if these are the things that are going through your mind is just to get 
back to the basics and think like, if I'm not worried about you know, what just makes sense, you know, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it, what, what seems like a good thing to do and is my heart for my kids? Yes. Then there's like a million ways to skin a cat, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this is partly why I do advocate really guarding yourself on social media. Mm -hmm. And if you have a few people's like accounts that you like to follow, just to go straight to their page. And then they call it in Australia when you work at the mines or something. My husband's Australian and we live there. They call it FIFO. It's fly in, fly out. You mm -hmm. know, they fly into the mines, they work, they fly back out home for the weekend. You want a FIFO on social media if you want to <laughs> be on there, you know, because yeah. it's the mindless scrolling that you've let like some yeah. algorithm decide you might like. And now you're hamstrung at home mm. because some random stranger five states away who you don't even know, who probably has a nanny who deals with all of her kids' bad behavior, but she's advocating right. that you do this. Right, and it's right. like, why do I care? You know, yeah. why do I care? Like, is this a sin? I like to come back to this. Is this a sin? Mm. No. Why do I care so bad which way it is? Like, yeah, is, yeah. is it a sin? No. Is there a true right or wrong? No. Then who cares? Just do whatever makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those, those decisions helpful, are, yeah, those decisions are really tough. It's just uh, when we get down into those real specific ones of like, you know, what time are we going to have meals? When you know, you're right. It's like that's going to be something you create for your own home. And yeah. uh, one thing I've really found um, with my kids is when I think about the decisions I make on things like that, where there's no rule book, right? There's no rule book yeah. on. Uh, what time to eat meals or, or this or that. And what I always think about is what is this going to tell them about the way the world works? So if I yeah. send the message that you can eat a full meal an hour before we're going to sit down for dinner, and that's okay because you were hungry then, and God forbid you have to wait an hour and actually feel a little yeah. bit of those grumblies in your tummy. Um, mm -hmm. What is that going to tell them about the way the world world works? Well, that's going to tell them yeah. that they, it's their way. They get to do what yeah. they want when they want. And that's not going to transfer well into a job. That's not going to transfer well into any sort of a, a scenario in which they have to work with other people. And so I think that, you know, those are some good questions to ask. But I did want to tell this one story in regard to the having the one kid thing. So when my daughter was born, my first, right, she's my first kid. And I mean, I did all of the things like I made all mm -hmm. the I would like sprout the month and like hand oh, yeah. mill it in a grain mill. I skinned apples. I yeah. skinned apples yes. to make applesauce. Yes, I'm yes, I made organic applesauce. Everything was like was just so per and she never got sick. My daughter yeah. never got sick. And I remember like seeing other families that had a couple of kids and the kids would get sick and I remember thinking like if they just fed them organic you know, yeah. <laughs> if they just gave them more vegetables instead yeah. of the baby food, you know, they probably <laughs> wouldn't get sick. Well, then I had a second child. And what you learn is that it's actually their exposure to other kids that makes them sick. Like my daughter was just like in our house, you know, pretty protected with all that. And like she, but she's got sick the second he was born. It was like, oh, okay, now I, I see. Okay. So it's like, you know, it, it is easy to sort of fall into the trap of, of thinking that things are a certain way when you just have one. But look, we're about we're out of time. It's all our fault. Thinking oh, right. everything good that happens is because we're good. Because we're good, but, right. Or everything bad that happens is because we're bad. Right. Yeah, that's good. All right. So what do you want to leave everybody with today? We're going to... Um, we're going to go into our Patreon only uh, portion. By the way, if anybody's watching and you want to join on Patreon, patreon.com slash Elisa Childers for bonus content. But before we go to that, uh, Rachel, what do you want to leave our viewers and our listeners with today? I just want to, I guess I just want to encourage moms that so many that I hear from that are just feeling like everything is just too much and it's so much. And, you know, I just want to encourage you honestly that a lot of times it's the small changes we make that really make it all better, you know, and I just want to encourage you as you're being spending time with God, okay, spending time with the Lord, and you're, you're just sitting there. And instead of sort of being like, browbeating yourself over how you are, it's just, you know, I guess pouring out your feelings that you're really having and just being like, is it okay? Is this okay, God? What is it I really want? Is this okay that I want this God? These are changes I want to make are these okay? Like, think about some of this real practical stuff that you know would solve your problems. And just with the Bible, sit, are these things okay? And then just, if it's in your power, just do them. Just make the changes, you know? Just 
without a big audience, without worrying about what everybody else thinks. It's just an audience of you and the Lord or, you know, your spouse, if that's what the decision is. And just kind of get back to the whole audience of one from the, the song, you know, and just feeling, taking that sense that your life is your responsibility, taking it back. Because when you have it and you know that it's on you to make the, to do the things that are good for you, then you actually get that permission to do them. And so I just want to encourage you that it's actually not a burden to feel that responsibility. It's actually freeing because it frees us to just get back and do the the common sense, healthy things that we need to do to be okay. Not just loving ourselves if it's not okay, not pretending it's okay if it's not okay, just actually doing what it takes to be okay. Well, I want to thank my guest. That's great. I want to thank my guest, Rachel Norman. Don't forget to pick up her book, If Mama Ain't Happy, Why Minding Healthy Boundaries is Good for Your Whole Family. It's coming out October 18th. Don't forget to also pre-order Live Your Truth and Other Lies, my new book coming out October 18th. And I want to direct you to YouTube, subscribe, click the bell icon. If you're watching uh, it always helps to to click that bell icon because that'll give you notifications when we release new videos. And also, if you're listening on audio platforms like iTunes, really helps if you go leave a five-star review on iTunes, gets the word out to more people. And all the other places, social media, clicking like, even leaving a comment. But of course, if you can share it out as well, that really helps fine-tune those algorithms. And so I'll leave you with this today. Our, our catchphrase that I think is a, a good uh, model for us all to sort of strive for, and that's to have a sharp mind, a soft heart, and a thick skin. We'll see you next time. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.